face. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon, and you're fresh, Lou. Uh, chastising me right before we got on the I air. Was chastising me right before we went on air. <laughs> All I asked was, were you ready? You what? All I asked was, were you ready? Are you ready? That, well, that wasn't quite the only piece of what we were saying. Okay. I was saying something to you. Oh. We're not going to talk about it because then, you know, it might embarrass one of us. Nonetheless. <laughs> embarrass one of us? <laughs> well, maybe both of us. I don't know. Anyway, good morning. Good morning. How are the green heads? For all you that don't know what green heads are, they're yeah. nice little horse flies on the beach. People are complaining. Okay. I don't have much problem with them for some reason, but... People are complaining. That's because you said it's because you have Sicilian sweet blood. That's what you said. I swear that's what <laughs> I didn't you said. say sweet blood. I said it's probably my Sicilian blood. I don't know what it is, but they don't bother me all that much. Oh. Well, I but heard, the I little black. this weekend on the beach. The little black ones. Those have been driving me nuts gnats. this year. Oh. The little gnats that oh. kind of fly up your nose and in your mouth oh, and in your eye and stick. Yeah, I know. Look on your arm. you got like 20 of them, and those things bite too. Those um, have been killing me this year. Well, I will not be coming to Plum Island. Thank God snowy owls do not exist there in the summer because... Did that guy finally leave? The what? Did that guy finally leave? The oh, last snowy owl? No, it was weird. It was like after that one week. Did he just pass like, out? Oh, and... my God. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> I don't know if he flew away or if they captured him and kept... I don't know what they did. I was a little bummed yesterday because there was a yacht in uh, Newburyport for the last week or so. Yes. A 190-foot... 60 million dollar yacht i heard about it and it left yesterday and i wanted to see it leave uh, i didn't want to see it go it? out the mouth huh do you know who owns it I'm, it was a minority owner of some professional sports team yeah, i forget what, now i had heard and i don't know who I, I i heard who it was and then i can't remember who i wasn't familiar with the guy but. yes that's why i didn't stick is he a minority either. owner of the redskins i think he was a minority owner of the redskins Maybe. i'm not sure no he's, they're not the redskins anymore i'm sorry oh did they change their name oh they're the washington football team now oh but they're changing their name again. They're, they're taking a, a I only name keep back. up with when everything's final. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Um, well, I didn't see it pull out, but I did know it was there. Yep. So I I was aware. So anyway, was quite how the are you? I'm all right. That's good. So I had, this is going to be a miscellaneous day because I had all these things to talk about. Well, one, I have to say that this past weekend, um, I have to pat myself on the back a little bit, which... I don't really usually do, but I'm going to. Okay. Because we all have to do that once in a while. I did the Loon Mountain Race this weekend. Mm -hmm. You knew I was doing that, right? Yes. I'm just making sure <laughs> that we're on the same page. <laughs> so I did the Loon Mountain Race this weekend. Mm -hmm. Very exciting because it's in Loon, New Hampshire, Lincoln, New Hampshire. And it's a very, um, one of the top 10, if not, I think it's touted as the hardest or the second hardest, one of the top few hardest mountain um, races in the country. Um, and What the hell would the hardest be? I don't know. I think it's yeah. the hardest because yeah. the end of the race is um, 48 degree tilt up the hill. <laughs> so, just, just 48 degrees. So um, you're basically crawling up the hill, which this is the first year I didn't have to use my hands and knees to get up the hill. I actually stood the whole time. Uh, the course was harder this year than all the other years previous. You ran up a 48-degree incline. I, I did. Wow. Right. So it's a very cool race because That's impressive. The, whole thing is, the whole thing is basically uphill, except for two little sections of the new course. They let you come. It was kind of discouraging because you, you knew you got up like, you know, 3,000 feet, and then all of a sudden they would drop you like 1,100 feet yeah. to come down and just 
all over all again. All over so, again, right, exactly. So I would gain speed coming down. So, you know, it's it's entertaining. It's it's a little bit of a, a, a mind messer, um, but it was fun, and it was exciting. And I PR'd by 15 minutes. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. My personal record. 15 minutes. 15 minutes. And That's... I could have probably done it faster in all retrospect because I really kind of after the first <laughs> – hill they had changed the course at the beginning usually you come out of the chute on this like beach area if people are from new england they know like up there it's this like little beach area along the river you come up and then you kind of meander up this hill yeah well no they're doing construction at loon so they're adding a new parking lot and a new ski lift so they started us on the other side near the gondola and it literally went straight up this mucky rainy crappy hill mm -hmm. and at the top of that hill me along with probably 300 other women i think had the the overall sentiment of oh i think i might puke <laughs> 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 because the first hill i wanted to quit after i was like oh that was horrific yeah. and i didn't come out of the gate fast i didn't run like i just i saw the hill and knew that this start was not something i had practiced for and i'd been practicing for the hills and i thought oh this is going to be rough and so i walked most of it as did most of us and the sentiment was still the same. And I thought, oh, <laughs> this is going to be a rough six miles. So it's six miles, a little over six miles. The last um, quarter mile or the last kilometer is the 48-degree incline. It's called Upper Walking Boss for a reason because wow. it will boss you around yep. and walk you right back down the hill if you can't <laughs> get your stuff together. Um, it's, How do you practice something like that? You said uh, well, I go to Wachusett Mountain mm -hmm. on a weekly basis, and I run – 15 miles, anywhere from 12 to 15 miles up the mountain and down the mountain. Holy up the cow. mountain and yeah. down the mountain. Yep. Up the mountain and down the mountain every week. True story. And I do the Stairmaster. I would die. <laughs> die. Going well, up Wachusett Mountain. Well, about a mile and a yeah. half in, after thinking I was going to puke at the first 10 minutes, about a mile and a half in, I thought I could quit because I was out in the woods. I'm like, I could quit and walk back down. <laughs> but then after that period of time, I got my surge and it was great it was a, an amazing group of women because usually because COVID happened obviously we didn't have it last year usually th there were tons of women but usually there's a lot more women mm -hmm. um because there's it's the men's race first and then the women's this year and then we reverse it next year but um there's probably 400 ish women and there's usually a little bit more but the women that were there were truly i think not novice we were all motivated yeah. go-getters pretty well trained nobody was there just to kind of say freaks. i'm gonna do it yeah. for fun you're all freaks just yeah, let's we're just all say freaks. it yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're all a little crazy yeah so uh, it was very cool in the fact that the motivational level was inspiring because usually when you're in the race like that the pack gets really separated i was with the pack and we were all together the whole race so the winner did it in like an hour i did it in 204 um and an hour. And an hour. An hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Insane. And so, so, that, so it's interesting because that last kilometer, so mm. you come down this hill called the Bear Claw Chute, and it's, you, know, you get a little down, you get a respite. We call it vacation. <laughs> <laughs> you run down this hill, and then... Yeah, but downhill isn't, isn't the easiest thing in the world either. No, it kills your quads and your yeah. hips. Yeah. So people think, oh, downhill, that's easy. Yeah, well, not when you have to keep doing that and go back up. Um, but it, you know, it burns your quads and, and then, and then when you turn the corner, 
there's there's they have a, a split mat timer that you have to cross over because it times you because you can win a thousand dollars if you have the best time for going up upper walking boss oh, I see. from that split mat to the top I did not win the thousand dollars <laughs> I wasn't trying to win the thousand dollars I just wanted to make sure that I didn't die on that hill yeah um and so this was the I think the fastest I've done that in terms of in the race. I've done it faster without doing the race. Like I can walk up to Upper Walking Boss normal, and then I can get up in like 15, 16 minutes. Yep. But no, it doesn't work like that. At the, at the base end of a five-and-a-half-mile right. race, I'm like, oh. And so there's there's a, a mantra for this race. It's called No Safe Word. Um, <laughs> and and so everyone's yelling, like, what's the safe word? And right ha like halfway up this Upper Walking Boss, there's a sign that says, don't you wish you had trained harder on hills? Oh, see. So there's all these psychological like things throughout the race. It's not right. So all of us were like yelling back to each other. We look like Sherpas going up the mountain, you know, like, don't you wish you'd trained harder on the hills? That's just um, not right. But it was exciting. It was very cool. I had See, some... that's the point. I would have died and it wouldn't have been from exertion. It would have been at that point with the sign, I would have just laid down and decided to die. You couldn't though, because you could see the finish. You could see yeah. the top if you had laid down. I would have been like, really, Lou? Wow, that's like lame. Oh, after that sign, it would have been, screw you. You're gonna have to come and get me off the mountain. Okay, well, see, no, see that, that just, that sign makes me mad because I'm like, ah, oh, I did train hills. And yeah. so whatever, but there were, there were definitely some women around me going like, I'm never doing this again. This was stupid. Why did I sign up for this? Because yeah. this is the race that you're doing for you. There's no medal at the end. There's no t-shirt. There's yep. no, there's no accolades. Oh, the spectators were asked to not come, even though some people cheated like John, John yeah. came out on the course and hiked up the mountain. And John there, hiked there up the mountain with his knee to watch you run. So he did. Good for him. Yes, he did because this is this is what John does. Yeah. Because you know John will continue to hurt himself. Because he wanted to be there for he you. He knows. Well, he went to PT yesterday finally, and they told him not to do the things that I've been telling him not to do. <laughs> oh, okay. And now he'll listen. Yeah. You know how it is. Yeah. If you if you're a parent, here I'm liking it too. My, if you're a parent, you tell your kid not to do it. They don't. They right. just do it. If you know you're someone else, well, they listen. So, sorry, John, I threw you under the bus, but nonetheless. <laughs> so, no, he well, he wraps it. He's very careful with it, but he did. He did meet me on the hill, and I have some very funny video that I will share with you. That he caught me coming down one section, and I was like, "This is like death." <laughs> and because I was, but it was great. It was perfect day because all the years gone by, it's been 90 degrees out. It's blazing sun on the mountain, you know, yep. and of course it's granite, the mountain with the grass on it, so it's like a heat yep. <laughs> shoot. Mm -hmm. um, this year it was lovely. It was like 65, it was overcast, it was perfect. So that probably helped me contribute to the non-death sweat of making the 15-minute PR. So what do you I was feel like the next a, day? A two hours. What? What do you feel like the next day? I was fine oh, yeah? because I train. Yeah. I know. John said the same thing. He's like, are you sore? Are you stiff? Nope. No, because I try. I mean, I cross train and weight lift. This is like keeping. Yeah. When you keep up all the the good stuff, you know. I mean, I would imagine that. I'm thinking years gone by. I might have been a little bit. I was also heavier in the years gone by, which I will never do again. As you know, I've talked about this, because mm -hmm. taking your butt up that mountain when you're ten, fifteen, twenty pounds heavier is a lot. Yeah. So, and I won't do that again because it's just. Can you imagine you know, doing that, strapping ten pounds to your back. Right. Well, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Like, it's imagine like if you took two ten-pound bags of potatoes and then say, "Okay, now walk up Upper Walking Boss." Uh, how about no? Yeah. So, and 
So having that concept in my head is like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So yeah. it was exciting. Nonetheless, I, I wanted to share with you that I did get a 15-minute PR. I was shooting for a PR, and that was exciting for me. And I was really looking to break two hours, but at the point where I was looking at my watch and I could still see the top and I knew I had at least three minutes to get there, I was like, well, you know, I'll just meander the rest of the way. And they were uh, like, run it in. And I'm like, no. Bruce had a great question. How do you deal with anticipation? How do you look at the terrain? How do you look at the bottom of that hill and get yourself psyched up to go up that hill? Because your body's fighting, your mind is fighting you the whole way on, a, on something like this, I would imagine. So, so it's a great question. So I psych up for that hill. I psych up for the race a couple of days before in my head. And um, I don't think about the hill. Yeah. Until I'm race day, really. And I don't really think about the hill because the hill would psych you out because they do that on purpose. If you even go to like you go to the website for it, everything's about the mountain goat going up this hill. Right. Yeah. So it's it. So I really don't think about the hill as much as I think about the whole race and chunking it into sections because the the race is really sectioned. So much like any race, like a marathon, I do the same thing with. I break it into parts. Mm -hmm. um, kind of anything you do in life, you can break it into smaller steps or smaller things. That's what I do in my head coming into the race. I do it during the race, like kind of get past this part, don't throw up, get past this <laughs> next part, don't quit. Yeah. Um, and then and within this race, particularly the thir at th mile three, I know that the remainder of the race is on the ski slope straight up. So I think of it as one all in the same. And it's just one continuation of one big hill. And that um, I start playing games with like, how fast can I get to this next section? How many steps? And then I start counting. I, br I break it into different strategies of like upper walking boss. I'll give you my strategy on this. I break Upper Walking Boss the whole kilometer into I do 50 steps and take a quick five or six second break. 50 more steps and take five or six second break. So I have a strategy so that when I'm thinking of it, I don't think of it as, oh God, it's terrible, it's bad, I'm going to die. I don't. I think of it as as soon as I turn the corner, it's exciting in the fact that when I turn the corner to cross the mat, I take a breather, I look up the hill, yep. and I just kind of get this mental prep in my head of, Okay, it's going to take me X amount of time. Just go. And then I just do the 50 steps, hold. 50 steps, hold. Because if you stop and turn around, which some people do, you can slide back down the hill. Yeah. So there, so strategies like that. But I break everything into like pieces. So like when I run the marathon, I don't run the marathon. No. I don't think about the end. I think about every 5K. You deal with what you're dealing with at the time. In the moment. Yeah. Right, right. All right, so you said you psych yourself up for it. What What is the psych? What is the quote-unquote reward when you're looking at this? As you said, no medals, no T-shirts. The reward, no. well, so great question because there is no there is no external. It's all internal, mm -hmm. and it's all I wanted so badly to get a PR on this. And I knew it was a harder course. I was gearing up for the fact it was a harder course. So I have, we talked about the mental, the mental mindset, right? Yep. Is that... Um, strategizing in my head, like, okay, how do I get a faster time based on this harder course? So in my head, I was looking at the course. I'd gone up. I had practiced on the course a couple times. I'd run it. I'd run some of the sections of it. I knew the back end of it. I So it's just knowing yeah. 
myself knowing how to reward myself in each section during it I was like watching times in a good way not in like oh god I'm behind more like okay I'm pacing myself this is good I don't now I'm ahead so I can back off here a little bit and I cannot have to kill myself going up the hill because I'm going to gain time going down this little section so it's knowing and planning throughout yep. so that you're psyching up that you're not sabotaging yourself because I know a lot of people and I could hear them and I hear the, the voices of the women around me yep. behind me and being like oh whimpering I, I didn't prepare why <laughs> whimpering some yeah. some were like you know yeah. struggling you know yeah. like I don't know why I did this I didn't train hard enough like yeah um and to be able to block that out so that actually inspired me to run faster because I have to move myself away from people that are doing that because you can't you're in this race you're not allowed to wear headsets and no music even though I saw people doing that, um, you're not supposed to. So I can't. Why? Um, because it's just it's distractor and it's motivating. Could end up falling off the mountain. Oh, it's motivating. Taking so away the motivation. It, yeah. You're supposed to just do without. Yeah. So um, not supposed to. Who runs it? this damn race? Who runs it? Yeah. Who are the sadists who run this race? Oh well, the well the winners are like their their hill. No, no, no. Who who the organizers? Oh, the organizers, it, runners that are yeah. crazy. Yeah. The people who own no, we'll take away their motivation. We'll we'll heckle them during the course. Well, it's funny because the owner, the the one of the owners of the the directors of the race was sitting on the I want to say it was like in between mile three and four. He was sitting taking pictures of us coming up the hill, and he knows me. And he, I was coming up, and now in. I was like, this course is great. He goes, how do you like it? I'm like, it's interesting. He goes, <laughs> he's like, he's like, really? He's like, in a good way? And I'm like, well, it depends on what you're going to do next year with my answer. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, you know, he was sitting there, he was asking, and I, I said, it's a great course. He goes, it's harder, huh? And I said, uh-huh. Yeah. So, and so it's just about, I think, people who just look for challenges. And so to go back to your question and other people's questions is that you're getting, you're getting geared up to do something for yourself because people all week were asking me like why there's no medals there's nothing because I sent people the website and everything I'm like yeah because I just want a PR I want to know that I crushed that mountain I could get on that mountain I could make it to that top and switch back that whole mountain and it's like three thirty five hundred feet elevation gain over the six miles like up and down up and down all together yeah. something like that and that I could take 15 i was looking for a couple minutes or whatever but i really was shooting in my head for two hours and not darn close i was so excited i'm going to guess speaking of these sadists again i'm going i'm going to guess you sign a physical waiver to run um, this race um i can't remember i did sign a waiver <laughs> i should say i don't really read the waivers <laughs> is that awful i think it probably said something about we're not you know there's indemnity. Yeah, if you fall off the mountain, the, the yeah, mountain, that's on you. <laughs> I'm imagining that that's what I signed. And realize <laughs> it will take us two hours to get a helicopter up here. <laughs> uh, no, it's you know I have yeah. to say kudos to the races I do, and either I pick them great or people are just really good at organizing them. This race is very well run, and um, it's organized where there are medical staff on the mountain in different various spots with ATVs. And really? you know AED boxes and um, splints and stretchers like there's they're oh, all okay. over the mountain in case. And this last year or not last year the year before I watched someone break their ankle because you're yeah. in this one section it's all trail and roots and sure. mud and it's terrible and if you put your foot down and roll, thank God for great running sho running trekking shoes. Um, but 
they're prepared. So, and, you know, and there's an access road all the way up that mountain, which is part of the race, which is like death. This is my quote of the weekend. This is like death. Mm -hmm. um, that people, they can get their access things up and down. Just there's a, there's a few spots it's hard to get to people. But as far as I know, this race, I heard no issues. I mean, I think they had some minor cuts and scrapes. There's people always slide on um, Upper Walking Boss because it's 48 degrees and it's hard to stay if you stand up straight, not to fall backwards, or, or if you turn around, not to slide down. Yep. So, but it's hard not to, you have to stand sometimes to be able to like release your calf tension and your hamstrings because it's brutal. <laughs> it just reminded me, <clears throat> excuse me, of a line from Modern Family I saw a couple, couple days ago where Jay says, this was my Vietnam. Yes. And I was in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and when I started out the race, I have to say that I, I did start out the race that morning thinking, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, and I had to keep reminding myself because I want to PR, because this makes me feel good, because I, I'm accomplishing things, because I've done a whole bunch of different uh, personal goals this year that I've been really fighting to get at. And this is one of the notches in that goal book. Yep. Um, so it was really good and inspiring for me. And yeah, so and now I'm on to the next thing. Boston Marathon, baby! <laughs> oh yeah, when is that again? October 11th. I have to start fundraising. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody out there that would like to help me raise the $10,000, I will give Lou my link because I haven't put the link up yet. Oh, I right. have it yep. all set up. <clears throat> or anyone that knows a company that would like to just donate. I have a couple teammates that get donated the $10,000 straight out. And I have to tell you, that makes the training so much easier to, um, to do because then you don't have the pressure of fundraising. But I love the fundraising aspect from, from the fact that I run for the... New England Patriots yes. Foundation, which is not the same thing as the Patriots themselves. People always think that. So right. um, it's about the amazing foundation that gives to multiple New England charities for all the good work they do. So, um, but yeah, that's a big piece of running the marathon. It's actually not harder totally to disconnected. do the fundraising than run the race. What? The franchise and the fund aren't totally disconnected either. Um, well, they're not disconnected in the fact that, that Robert Kraft and his son are are the overseers of yep. the foundation, but they don't intermingle right. in terms of the, the money and where the, the Oh, yeah. yeah. They're not intermingled at no, all. No, it's not so part the of their financial entity. Yeah. Right. The Myra yeah, right. Foundation is yeah. where, where it originally was started, and that's what it was. And then the New England Patriots Foundation is, but they are not intermingled in terms of what the Patriots do. So there's different fundraisers yeah. that go into um, the New England Patriots Foundation, but all that money is completely earmarked towards the charities that it gives to, to give them scholarships and individuals and stuff like that right so um but anyway i digress mm. um so anyway i was very excited i know i went on and on about that but you know here so geez i'm glad you had a nice weekend <laughs> i did i had it was so exciting yeah, you realize this is insane right what <laughs> you realize that's insane what i did yeah i do well that race is insane i let's go run up a ski hill people <laughs> So I don't see it that way, but every time someone hears yeah. about it or reads about it, they're like, you know, that's insane. And they even write, like, and on the, the website, you know what's more this insane is an insane, than the insane event? race for people. Like, it's the hardest race in the country. What's more insane than the, the event is you practice the course. <laughs> How many times did you run that course? Oh, um, this year? Yeah. Four? Yeah, see, insane. Only, only in the past, like, month and a yeah. half. But I've run, 
I would start running Wachusett when the snow's almost when the snow is completely off the mountain. I'm running Wachusett up and down. Mm-hmm. Look at your face. <laughs> You're like, uh huh, uh huh. But I usually don't tell people that, but I I do do that. Because I'm trying to impart this lesson to other people, so I'm trying to exercise it myself. It's like everybody's got a different path. Exactly. Just don't you know? Um, I'm trying not to give energy to this. It's like, fine. That's what motivates her. That's good. But it's a, whatever see, works is, for everybody. So you know, it's kind of like addiction. If you <laughs> if you you have to have um, a mindset that says, okay, where's my line? And my line is that I have to have more because the less for me. Addiction is probably a bad thing for this because it wasn't a good example. But I have to have more of a challenge because baseline challenge for most people is not enough for me it, i get it it's but boring. but let's relate it because i was let's relate it to the conversation we had a couple shows ago yes. about external yes motivation yeah see i'm not an external motivated person well i love money if they want someone wants to give it to me well wait a second though i'm gonna force you to parse this from yeah. external motivation uh-huh. the personal best actually doing the race being out there with those people is that not external motivation not really. Which was the basis of my question of what motivates really, you? What is it's, your So external motivation, I'm not it doesn't matter how anybody else does for me. I could be on the mountain alone and like when I run the mountain to train, I go and test myself on myself to see how fast I can make it up upper walking boss with no comparison point other than my own comparison point. So that's the same thing I do on the race. So I mean external like against the mountain maybe or like is but if you had run a 15 minute personal best on one of your practice runs would you have gone home it's like i did it i did my personal best i'm done would i have gone home why did it have to be race, that di- that day in other words you said the motivation for this how you psyched yourself up for yeah. the goal was for a personal best yes if you had gone up the week before and ran oh, that no, 15 minutes best personal has to best be during the race yeah so so I could have done an hour better a week before. Yeah. That would have motivated me to do even better on the on the race week. But the personal best has to be during the race itself. Mhm. Cuz it's when it's official. Yeah. It's not official until it's official. Just like if I go out and run the Boston Marathon course, which I do practice that as well, yeah. better a month before I do the Boston Marathon. It gives me the motivation to, to have yeah. the confidence and takes away self-doubt of those things that happen on race day that, oh, I've already done this. I know I can already do this. And so you get out there and you do it as fast or faster because you have the excitement and the adrenaline and all that stuff. But it doesn't count until the race day because that's yeah. when it's really being official. Yeah. So I wouldn't have gone home and said, oh, I don't need to do the race because I've already done it. Mm-mm. No, because it has to have my comparison point to the actual race day under the conditions of the pressure and the strain and the people around you just because yep. that's a it's a different environment so and i imagine that i was very close so like in the other training times that i was up and down that mountain mm-hmm. in the past month or so um i definitely was under two hours so but that's fine because I also know the conditions of the race day had changed. It had rained, as you know. Mm-hmm. The course was very wet. Um, it was just different, so it slows you down. Yep. So you just adjust for that in your head. But I already know, like, oh, I already knew that I could break two. So it was like, I just need to get a personal record. Even if I had come in at 13 
13 minutes over and still two minutes under, that would have still right. been like, woo, but 15 minutes was like, oh, it was so exciting. Yeah, that'll make it fun next year. Hey. <laughs> <sighs> okay, I just got to get off of this one, right? So, um, but I think I think it was to the, also the conversation I was talking about last week. I was excited to share this today because the mindset, you know, when you, you know, I, I said I'm not a world-class elite runner, but I run with world-class elite runners and I'm behind them, but the mindset is still there. I mean, someone, you know, that's why I was saying there were all these women that were there really had this mindset of they were coming without, they weren't novice. They weren't new to the game. They weren't just like, I'm going to climb a mountain and see how that goes. Right. So everyone was pretty much all together. It's that mindset of if you set your mind to something, you can do it. I had it. There was a guy on the mountain that I, he's in my running club. He's, a great guy he tries hard he's been i've been watching him progress over the years um with weight and speed and all kinds of different things and the men went out early they go out half an hour earlier than the women yep. and at mile four i passed him on the hill and the camaraderie of like seeing him out there like because he's out there doing it and he's not he's not a novice yeah but he's out there challenging himself you know he's he's overweight for sure yeah um he struggles with it but he keeps at it because he wants it he he's doing it to personally best himself you know as i ran crawled back by him on the <laughs> on the incline i was like good job good job and you know he's just like thank you so much you too it's because it's so there's yeah. the external reward and you get that gives you a little bump in it and at the end of the race i saw him and i'm like good job you know you're doing so great and i know he probably did better this year than he did last um, and, but I also know that, wow, he's, he sticks in there watching like his whole fleet of men had already gone and finished yep. essentially. And the women were coming up behind him because he's slower, but he doesn't matter. Cause he yeah. has this mindset of, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for me. It's almost tougher for him because you, he's I mean, got to maintain the stamina. About yeah. that, and I yeah. would imagine just in the other athletes I talked to about being in the middle of a field or something like that and having people pass you and how that feels. Um, sure. No, I mean, if you can do the race in two hours, the person who needs three hours to do it, it's a tougher mental challenge for them. Right. They've got to sustain that motivation for three hours, three plus exactly, hours. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and but I th- I would imagine because I've been in the I'm I'm the Boston Marathon is not like the fast marathon of the world for me because it's hard, right? And but I have it in my headset that I know that people are going to pass me i know that i'm here for a longer haul than three hours i know like you just go in with the knowledge and i think most people go in being realistic with themselves i think i mean there's certainly people that think they're going to do it in no time at all and then tap out and then quit or you know did not finish they dnf um but it's it's usually rare in my experience with my athletes and then myself to to have that happen because mental preparation for the challenge is already set in motion, right. which makes that mindset piece of you know the the genius of athletes book we were talking about last week that whole piece of you don't have to be an elite athlete to have that mindset to be able to really motivate yourself for it as long as you know what the challenge is, how to get over the challenge, how to manage the challenge, how to adapt to the challenge, all these things about real life that you can do whether it's family work a race on the mountain you know yep 48 degrees want to go do it no come on so not fun really fun 11 degrees on the treadmill and i'm ready to kill somebody (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of of death and killing today whoo jeez 11 (laughs) degrees on the treadmill and you're already falling apart yeah 
Okay, here's the real cool perk of the race. You yes. want to know my external? This is actually, I just thought of it. I'm like, oh, there actually is an external, and you're going to think it's funny. When you get to Upper Walking Boss, the trail itself, well, the it's a ski trail, right? But the way you walk it and the way they have it, it's, you know, they, there's no path per se. It's just the path that the runners have made, right? Mm-hmm. There's wild strawberries on the whole thing. Oh, so God. while you're literally almost face planted to the ground at the 48 degrees, picking strawberries, picking strawberries and eating them <laughs> on the way up. I like it. <laughs> and everybody is. All of us were doing it because it's hard. Not, they're like right there. You can't help it. And they're so good. <laughs> <laughs> so there is there is that perk, the external of the wild strawberries. And then somebody on the mountain behind me was like, we're taking it away from the bears because Moon Mountain has tons of bears on it. So I was like, oh, well, the bears are used to walking up this hill. I'm not. So <laughs> I'm going to eat. This. Bears have plenty of runners that they can pick from. They get hungry. <laughs> Those bears don't eat runners. <laughs> wrong bears, wrong part of the country. Okay. No grizzlies. It's fine. Um, so anyway, so thank you for indulging me on that. But it, it is a mindset thing and so important. Um, I think as an example, it was just exciting maybe coming off of last week too. And I had reread the book and I was excited about, oh, I'm in a good space for this race and all the things. But having that fun mindset. Okay. Explain to me the mindset that I've been dealing with. I will do the that. The past week or so. Okay. Because uh, I, I had promised myself once I finished with the serious shows, I was going to go start weight program again. Uh, not a weight loss program, doing weights mm-hmm. program again. And I started it, and I immediately get into this thing that I always get into where I don't want to go, but I don't want to not go worse than I don't want to go. It's like <laughs> I go for spite. No, you said you were going to do this. Just Cognitive go. Cognitive dissonance. Yeah, is that what it is? Yes. <laughs> The conflict in your head. Yeah. Of, well... I didn't want to go in the first place. And then once I started, it was like, it's like, you know, like today, I don't want to go. But I'm going to go because I'd be, I'd be less happy shirking it. you're weighing out the difference of what, of what the impact is going to have, whether you do it or... Oh, no. It has nothing to do with the outcome. Okay. (laughs) Fine. It is, but it is really, it is cognitive dissonance. And you can't say no, because I know that's what it is. No, I don't know. That very well could be. It's just I'm not thinking of the outcome and the results and stuff like that. What I'm thinking is I am letting myself down if I don't do it. I, I'm going to have to live with myself if I don't go today, and I don't want to do that. It's like you kind of it's like, you know, going up the mountain and sitting down and having some strawberries. <laughs> just walking off the, the same thing. I didn't say I sat down to have the strawberries either. By the way, yeah. I didn't have a snack by sitting and like having a glass of wine and strawberries. I but kept it's going. it's this interesting little negativity mindset motivation so, here okay so this so all kidding aside it's actually really common it is cognitive yeah. dissonance it's a good example of like day-to-day life kind of thing it's like oh you know it, when i talk about cognitive dissonance sometimes I'll, I'll mention like you know some will say well i'm a smoker but i don't smoke too much i only smoke just a little bit to alleviate my anxiety but not enough to cause me cancer so it's like you know it's that it's yeah. that conflict constantly in your head or someone like oh let, I, let me can i, I do the cake. can i attempt a layperson's definition of cognitive dissonance sure. make sure we're all on the same page yes it's basically lying to yourself it's basically telling yourself what you know is not true living on the basis of what you know is not true well okay in other words i don't smoke too though. much but you know you any smoking is too much so so it's a 
okay, so you want to call it a lie. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a lie because not all cognitive dissonance could have a lie to yourself in it. It's more about the conflict between two sides. Well, a lie is a lie is conscious, and cognitive dissonance isn't, right? Well, the actual you don't realize you're lying to yourself, you, but that's you what you're doing. Well, you don't necessarily realize you're having cognitive dissonance, but mm -hmm. most people realize that they're having a conflict in their head between two things or three things or however many things. Yep. They just maybe not know how to define it or or label it as what it is. But it's having this this way of getting around doing something or not doing something or trying to figure out how to okay to lie to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's certainly there's pieces of cognitive dissonance that are, are that are lying. I'm trying to think of a different word, not because it's a, yeah. it's a not, it's not descriptive enough to actually, it's, you know, it's a way of. You're acting differently than you know you should be. You, well, well, you, you don't know, because again, a lot of this is subconscious, isn't it? Yes. Uh, well, yeah. so yes Subconscious no, is the wrong because word. Because a yeah. lot of times people, I mean, I know plenty of people um, in my personal life and in my professional life that have cognitive dissonance, but they know the outcome of both sides and they pick the one that benefits them that's the easier path, even though the outcome becomes unhealthy or bad for them. Yeah. But they know that they know what they should pick for their, like should, they, you know, if, if they pick something that's going to be in their favor to help them out and make it healthy or a good, good outcome, then, and they pick the other one, people know. Yeah. People know. They may not know all the underlying details of why they're doing it or what's driving them because maybe they're so used to picking that shorter route or the shortcut route, but they know. My experience is that they know. Um, and, and then to get to the, roots of it to really get someone to make a change and to stop doing that conflict in their head and put the one piece aside to make the healthier choice or whatever it is, then you have to do the work to unroot it. Sure. Yeah. But I think on the base level, people know that they're doing the pick between the two over and over again. They just do. They might go into denial and be like, no, I don't. I didn't realize I was doing that. But they do. Because if they are actively talking about it and they're being like, well, the chocolate cake or the carrots. You know, and you say, well, what do you think? Well, there's a reason why they're thinking the two things because they're having the conflict in their head. So they're aware that there's that conflict and they know which one is going to lead them down one path and which one's going to lead them down the other. Yeah. If I eat the carrots, you know, that's a hard decision. If I eat the cake, that's a hard decision. One's going to land me in a place where I don't feel good about myself. One's going to land me in a place where I'm going to feel good, but I'm still probably going to regret that I didn't have the cake, but I'm going to feel better. Like, so... People yeah. are aware because that's how they're making the decision and the outcome. Uh, you know, people are more likely going to pick the cake because yeah. the cognitive dissonance, the conflict, really, what that means is the thinking conflict that comes into play. That's the there's the layman right term of it. It's really thinking conflict. You're in the th conflict yeah. of what decision should I make that will interest be in my best interest right now, and best interest is well, I really want the cake because it's really. You know, I'm lonely, angry, tired, bored, sad, yeah, whatever, versus, oh, carrots aren't going to fulfill that, right? So it's the same thing, like, why, you know, do I want to run the mountain or do I want to lay in bed? I had that in my head, Yeah. right? So it's the cognitive conflict of, do I want to lay here or do I, because I know that if I don't go and run that mountain, I'm going to kick myself going, why didn't I do that? That was so stupid. I didn't get up and have that done. 
right? Yeah. Same same kind of thing. It's so I do think that there's some degree, heavy degree for some people of completely clueless about what they're doing. But most people have a pretty good idea of, you know, yep. they're rock and roll. So to go back to your struggle between why do I I you know, weight lift and wanna go and don't wanna go and whatever. I think I think that you've always had that in you know, like with the weight loss for instance, like you, you, you're always weighing the the decisions yeah. and the sides. That had the same that had the same type of pull to it. It's like I didn't always want to do what I needed to do. Right. But I didn't want to live with not doing it either. In other words, I'll go work out. I'll go take an hour and I'll work out, and then I'm done. Or I'll sit there the rest of the night going, "You didn't work out. You're a loser." <laughs> You're a jackass. And and, yeah. and so we're we're very socialized and trained into the easier route is often the negative outcome route. Isn't that interesting, right? It's the one that you'll sit there for five hours contemplating how you didn't do the one hour. Yeah. Which would have taken you the one hour versus you'll spend five hours ruminating on yeah. and, and persecuting yourself for it versus like just doing the other. But that is actually easier in your mind. Your mind gets into this neural pathway of that's easier. But it's not. But you've you've been socialized, you've been yeah. normed in, you've trained yourself, other people around you've trained you into, well, it's way easier just to give into that than yeah. just go do. I've, I can't tell you, by the way, just not for nothing, I have driven myself to the gym, sat in front of the gym on certain occasions, looked at the door like, <sighs> and... You have never driven home, though. I have never driven home. No, you go in. No. Yeah. But I've looked at that door, sure. and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go in. And I'll and it'll be like, well, it's raining. I don't want to get out of the car. <laughs> it's hot. And oh, I, sure. Yeah. Right? All these things. Everyone has those moments. Yeah. And it's and it's then as soon as I get in the gym and I get on whatever I'm doing for like three or four minutes, I'm like, oh, this is so much better. Because I, I push to get past that because I know that that thing is something that, oh, well, that's easier. But it's not easier at the end of the day because what is it going to do? The outcome is the next day I'm going to be like, oh, I didn't work out. Or I didn't do this thing. It's not even about the workout. It's like I didn't do the thing that I need to do for me today. And for me, responsibility weighs on me. So I like getting past it. In other words, I'm the, I'm the person I sit there. I get joked about this all the time. When I'm cooking, I'm washing while I'm cooking. Right. And I'll put the plates on the table and, and, and have them out. And then I'm washing up the last dishes. Right. And when you come sit down, it goes, the food tastes better after the work's done. And I right. don't want to eat and come back and look at the dishes. Right. You know, it's like getting, it's getting that, those responsibilities out of the way is right. a reward for me. Well, it's so, well, so like, I mean, you think of it in a grand scheme when you think of, you know, cooking a, a holiday dinner, right? Here's the external, right? You're, everyone's going to yep. have this wonderful meal. And it always works better for me when the whole kitchen, everything's completely clean. And all that needs to happen is just the serving stuff has to be out to serve, like, because it's clean. Because it gives you that ability to enjoy it and have the experience. And that's with anything. It's, it's you know, talk about my race this weekend. Talk about food and talk about going to the gym, whatever. It's about less chaos leads to more motivation because the chaos gets in the way. It's yeah. all the mu It muddies the waters from you being able to see the clear path of what needs to happen. It gets, you know. Plus these things pile up. Yeah. If, oh, if God, you don't they, address the accumulation them, of the negative stuff, sure. Yeah, and then you get into this thing where you've got, you know, five or six things buzzing around you, mm -hmm. things of responsibility, or things that need your attention buzzing around you, and you get overwhelmed. Exactly, and people are much more. And then that gives people an excuse not to do. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah, then it just spirals. Because we'll see, like, yeah. well, and, or do the things that they want to do versus the things that need to happen, the things that are really prioritized that need to happen versus the things that they want. You know, and people will do the short things, like, oh, I just need to run to the grocery store, but what I really need to do is, uh, you know, this, you know, this report, <laughs> but I, I'm going to go to the grocery store instead. Yeah. It's like, well, and then, and then, and then. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's that, it, so again, to the beginning of the top of the show is like, that's the thing about chunking too, is like, you have to be able to figure out want and need. Do you really need to do this or do you want to do it? Want, I want to do lots of things, but there's needs that have to get done. And I always say to my clients, if you do what you need to do first, then the time that you have to do all the things you want to do increases. Yeah. You just looked at me like. No, I, just, I'm, I was processing. <laughs> do you want me to repeat it? No. Okay. No, I was just processing. <laughs> you, so I was because, processing a counterpoint. Because people do it in the reverse, Lou, right? Yeah. If you, it, well, I, I want to do blah, blah, blah. Well, there's 500 I want to do's. But the thing that you need to do ends up being like, I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah. I'll work. I'll, I need to work out. Do I want to work out? No. But I need to because it will make me feel better. And thank God I did. But what, I, what I've figured out about myself is that I need those moments where there's nothing buzzing around me. Yes. And to do that, you have to take care of the things that are buzzing around you. Exactly. Right? Because the more you have buzzing around Otherwise, you, the more if, chaotic it gets. If you don't do that report, and you owe that report, and you keep putting it off, then you just spend the night going, I still got to do that report. It's just, it's like a mosquito buzzing around you all night. Exactly. Well, it's always, it's always picking at you. It's always picking yeah. at you. So you never get those peaceful moments. The only way you get those peaceful moments is take care of what you, get, what you got to take exactly. care of. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and so that, so how do we apply that then to your, you know, weightlifting example? Like what's, well, what's I'm just eliminating a, something buzzing around me. Right. Yeah. Right. So you're, so why have it, why not do it and get it out of the way or just, or accept in the moment, if you're not going to do it, just say, well, I'm committing that I'm not going to do it and then letting it go. Good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Cause then you'll be like, bzz, 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 bzz. the little gnat will be around you buzzing at you going, you should have done it. You should have done it. You should have done it. Yep. And then what happens is it comes up the next day and yep. you go, you should go today. And that puts something in your day you didn't have before. And right. You know, it's just, because you weren't planning on it. Yeah. Right. And then that's when it becomes easy for people to be like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Now a year's gone by. Yeah. And you go, oh, my God. Right. Yeah. So it's 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 I, I mean, I think people can do themselves a service with the want versus need thing. Yeah. Like, well, wants, if you... your wants can't come before your needs. I don't want to do that. OK, well, but you need to. Well, I think people go a long time live a lot can live a lot of years without having those peaceful moments mm -hmm. and they don't understand the reward of it once you get it and once you understand that you have some control over when they happen you for me that's the that's the motivation factor for me right now to be able to sit down at some point and not have anything buzzing around me so okay interesting psychological piece to this is that people like and i use that loosely People like to have the buzz around them because without the buzz, then they worry about no buzz. So no, then that's they have not to an look active at, thought. Though. Then they have to look at themselves. Well, right. They so have it's, to, they have to it's exist meta, with it's themselves. It's meta-worry, right? Yeah. When, you, when I look at a client and I say to them, if you didn't have anxiety then or you didn't have a worry, what would you worry about? And 99% of the time, I get a meta-worrier. Like, I'd worry about the worry that I don't have, which would make me worried. 
Yeah, but because the, the person's to that so is... trained into the negative mindset, and but, that they, it's almost like they need it or want it. But here's to the be security there. in that: there's going to be a worry knocking at the door any minute. Sure. Right? You're never going to you're never going to run out of worries. You're going to. Oh, that'd be so. Yes, you can. I'm convinced you can have no worries. Okay. Yeah. You can have no worries because I know people that walk through life that have no worries, but that's a that's a worry. Really, legitimately. Well, they say they do. Um, they can't produce a worry in their head to give an example of, but. Well, you can become skilled at putting worries in the crate. Right. And that's not the same as that's having no worries. That's not the no same worries. thing. Well, right. Yeah. And so, so adjusting and adapting and compartmentalizing things and acknowledging that they're there, but not putting a lot of giving them a lot of um, feedback is. Yeah. What I would say, you know, that I mean, that's the process of therapy, or that's the process, even if you don't have therapy, of just being able to manage your life well, is being able to have something and say, okay, is that right now present need to be changed, fixed, moved, right, whatever, versus people that you know put something out three years from now and say, oh my god, it's coming, or the what ifs. Yep. Well, what if? See, that's a concept to me. I don't know. I'm a threat generator, so there's always going to be worries, right? I mean, it's always going to be worries. It's just I'm looking for that window of three hours where I can sit down and watch Baywatch and not have any oh, worries. Oh, there's the reference. <laughs> there's the reference. I haven't watched Baywatch in months, by the way. need to get monetized for Baywatch references in yeah. this. <laughs> I should look into that. <laughs> get some residuals. Call David I know, up and Baywatch, see Baywatch. I haven't watched that in months, though, actually. Oh, good. Maybe because we were picking on it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. No, other things happen. There's other things buzzing around. Um, but so I think that I think that people... So to your point, it, maybe it's not necessarily worries as much as it when you're actually, um, I was just looking at the screen. I lost my train of thought. Um, when you're worrying in the moment, but then you clear your cue, so to speak, no, nothing's buzzing around you anymore for the day. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that because it's like, okay, did you it's get great. It's everything everything that you got rid of for the day is what you had in the present, in the moment. You can't do what has to like the meeting that happens tomorrow because it's scheduled tomorrow. You can't do today. You can you can prep for it in your head, but you don't have to worry about it because you don't have control over the next right. I always say to people, go with what's coming, not you know, like right in the moment. Don't prep because the best prep, you're still gonna have to go on the fly. Um which I know you know, like I, I yeah. was always prepped in life, like growing up, like yeah. you had to be always prep, prep, prep. And yeah, you can be prepared, like skill wise or whatever. But if you're always anticipating someone's going to say something or do something, and this is what they're going to say, and this is what they're going to do, you're not really listening or being present for what's really going on, and then you miss it. Well, I, when I tell people in this business all the time, when they're starting to do stuff, I always tell them show prep is your enemy. Right. And because, and there was a guy who does, um, Motivational speaking he used to be a stand-up comic, and he was talking about it. And they asked him, and he was doing these weekends. He had people come out for weekends, and he'd just stand on the stage and he'd do two hours in the show. And in this one show, he did. He pulled someone out of the audience and got their story and worked through things with them and, and things like that. And then he started talking about people ask me how do I prepare for doing two hours on stage of this, and he goes, I try to limit my prep because prep closes off your opportunity for that him pulling right. the person out of the audience. Right. If he had two hours of material, he wouldn't have been able to do that. 
He'd had to, he'd been obligated to his two hours of material. And that's kind of life, right? Right. You, you try to have a plan, you try to have a direction, but you have to deal with what's presented to you, too. Well, and, and, and by the way, some of that is opportunity. It's not and, always problems. Exactly. And well, and, and that's why, I mean, you and I talk about this a lot. And this is this is one of my life skills that I help with in life coaching with people is, you know, go with go with what you know, go with your gut, go with your first responses. And, you know, we come into the show oftentimes and we've said not recently, but you'll be like, what are we talking about? Yeah. We don't even do that anymore because, you know, I'm going to come in. I'm going to have, you know, I've always got something in mind, but yeah. I don't prep it like a script. And I, we know people that script everything out. But you miss opportunities with that because you're not, I call it the the difference between an A-list actor and a B-list actor. Right. Right? A, yep. And I've mentioned this on previous shows. A-list actors listen and be present and then respond with what they feel and what they go. It's in the moment. It's present. You're in the moment. Right. A B actor is like, you know, the B movies. It's like you say something and then I'm waiting for the line to come to then land my line. Right. And you miss out on the reality of the authenticity of being in the moment or the genuineness and, and people could be rolling their eyes about that, but that's really life. If you're always waiting to script out something or put something down on the table of, well, this is where this goes now. Yeah. It's it, you miss out on the being present piece and being present is that mindfulness piece, which is the mindset that people yeah. we were talking about last week, being really present and being able to, um, feel okay with being in the present that it doesn't have to be this thing or I have to say something amazing or I have to do something amazing because I have to impress in this moment or something like that. I get turned on to Michael Singer yep. be because my uh, ex-wife had given the kids copy. I think it's The Untethered Soul is the name of the book. It was mm -hmm. on the Oprah book list and things like that. I actually like that book. Well, here's the funny thing. She gave them copies of the book and I wanted to know what they'd be reading. So yep. I read the book. Yep. And the book was okay. I thought the book was okay. Yeah. But I started looking up Michael Singer, and there is a there's a bunch of YouTube stuff. His appearances on Oprah, of course, and other shows, right. podcasts, and things like that. But there are these talks he gave at Berkeley. Yep. Where he was just there, and it's just a video of him in a conference room talking, talking to people. Talking, right. And those really landed home on what he talked about, which is what the prepper wants to do. He always talked about um, trying to arrange everything in the universe to not touch your stuff. Right. And A, you can't do it. B, it's exhausting and defeating trying to arrange everything in the universe for your outcome. Right. You can't right. do it. No. Let it go. Right. Right? And just uh, arrange your response, arrange where you are, what your circumstances are, things like that. And the prepper, the person who, have to, who has the script, right. the person who has the two hours written out is the guy who wants to, con is the person who wants to control everything. Right. And that's, again, exhausting and defeating. Right. Eventually, because you can't. Well, and that's and, you right. can't you can't live life from that perspective of trying to control everything out there that's happening. And and, there, and there's something obviously to be um, said for practice, sure, which is not prep, even in the same way. Right. So practice and getting good at something and honing a skill, so that you're automatically able to do it, right? Like an athlete, or like your job, or like what we're doing here. We just practice, but. We're a, right, we practice this, we don't prep for this, right. right? So that's the same thing, you know, in life is you're, you do great at something that you've practiced over and over, but you don't have to be perfect at it in the practice. You just have to practice it so you have the skills so that when it comes time to actually put it on stage or put it in performance or have to put it on paper, it comes naturally because you're not bound by all the, the mud 
yeah. of prep of that constricts preparation to the extent that we're talking about constricts you because it gets your brain into this mode of not going outside the box, not feeling able to take a risk, not shifting gears. It doesn't allow for the movement right. um, to meet a challenge because it's, well, that's not how it's supposed to be. So right. I can't go off script. And that gets people paralyzed, which is a lot of what anxiety is, which is a lot of the analyzed, paralyzed piece of, of anxiety disorders is that it gets you stuck in this box of this isn't how it's supposed to be. And you get in that mindset and you get stuck. Yep. See what I did there? Yep. Mm. I did. Huh? <laughs> but that's the athlete who's running the play over and over again. If the opponent ends up standing in a different place, he doesn't know what to do. Right. Right. That's that's prepping. Right. Pr practice is having a response to what happens. Right. Exactly. Knowing that you can have that response, place. but knowing that you can have a response anywhere and that you can adjust for it. Yep. Right. And that's and that's a mindset of of a a, a good athlete, not not you know just an athlete who has just some experience can shift if they're good people who don't shift well don't transition well don't like the change don't that's where people get right. stuck so many people get stuck and that's the difference one of the differences in the mindset of an athlete that's great versus yep. an athlete that's good and his example was you can't control the obviously you can't control the outside when someone runs a stop sign you don't jump in the back seat of the car Right. You got to keep your hand on the wheel and you got to you got to react and you got to deal with that. Exactly. Right. And a lot of people from a life standpoint, from a mindset standpoint, jump in the backseat of the car. Right. Just take their hands off the wheel. Not my fault. Happened out there. Right. I have no control over this. Yeah. You wouldn't give up control in the car. Right. Why would you give up control of your life? Right. And and I think that that and we've had that metaphor many times before is that, that what a great way to have people think of you're in control of your own car. Yeah. And when you have, when you're blaming and you're not taking responsibility and you're externalizing, you're taking the hands off the wheel and going, oh yeah, I'm just sitting in the car. I'm in the driver's seat, yeah. but someone else is driving it. And is that really true? And I think if you look at that as a metaphor to really see that, you know, and someone says, well, it's not my fault. It's genetics. It's not my fault. It's, you know, it's McDonald's fault. <laughs> It's not my fault, right? People yeah. do that. It's not my fault that that McDonald's made me heavy. Have we discussed my favorite McDonald's story ever? I think we have. The one the about woman the, who sued the because... guy suing because McDonald's made him fat? No, no, no. Woman, woman suing to get toys out of Happy Meals because oh, she couldn't that... stop her six-year-old daughter from going to McDonald's because of the toys. Right. Like, okay. So, because there's just... another one out there because yeah. the man was suing because he, he had gained so much weight and it was McDonald's fault for serving unhealthy food. Yeah. Same kind of, so. That's externalizing to a, you know, textbook degree. Right. At this point, right? Like, your daughter's you six years old. You there. <laughs> you take your daughter here. You don't, you can say no, by right. the way. Well, yeah. and so, and so that's the, you know, that's the minds, that's the athlete mindset, right? Is like the difference between an average athlete and a great athlete typically is going to be the one that is not going to externalize that the coach was bad. I don't get any yeah. play time because it's. What are you doing to make this happen for yourself? What are you doing to create an opportunity? What are you doing to meet the challenge? What are you doing to, you know, obviously the external stressors on something can't always be controlled, but many times what you do with your mindset, you you can blow through all those obstacles just because your mindset is so fine-tuned. And that takes the practice. It's not perfectionism. It's just, yeah, that, you know, oh, so what did that happen? It's okay. It doesn't really impact me. Yeah. But instead of like, oh, 
I had a bad day. So oh, well, see, those are whole different people. The, <laughs> <laughs> just hit something for me. Uh, there's the people when something bad happens. There, it's not so much that's okay. It's like okay, it happened. Right now, I have to deal with it. Then there's the people who go out searching for bad, bad. stuff. Right. Yeah, like an Instagram, an Instagram post. It's like, what do you care? Right. Yeah. What do you care what they're wearing or what they're saying? Right. So like, why putting any minute, any well, mental energy into this whatsoever? I think that most of the time when that kind of when people are searching out for negative stuff, one, they're trained to do that, mm -hmm. right? Because that's kind of something that's been modeled to them usually. Yeah. And then it it actually feeds their their dopamine rush. Yes. It's it's their it's their drug. It's the I'm going to feel better about myself because I'm going to be able to look at that person and say, look how bad they are look how absolutely whatever so yeah because it actually gives the dopamine a pleasure it's you know unfortunate but it's true the dopamine is released in the happiness of someone else's misery well you someone know, misery someone else being company. someone else being less or yeah because it makes you feel good so it's yeah. filling up your cup I have my problems, but I'm not that guy. Right. So yeah. it's filling up your cup, yeah. but not your own. You're not doing it yourself. You're doing it through the pain and suffering of someone else by making yourself feel better by doing that. And that's not the same as comparing and saying like, which is an okay thing saying, oh, I can get through this because the other person's got it as bad or worse. And you're not doing anything to that person. But when you're looking at someone going, oh, well, ha, 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 I'm now I feel better. That's a di that's different. You know, it's you know, what I'm saying, right? Yep. Yeah. So. It's it's that comparison point to fill your cup up to make yourself feel good based on your own stuff versus getting the cup filled by someone else because that cup is always going to be depleted because you're going to have to keep going to different sources Instagram Facebook social comparisons to make yourself feel better well, I'm not as I'm not as um, crazy as that person I'm not as fat as that person I'm not as ugly as that person I don't yeah. whatever it is you're that's going to be a depleted cup over and over because you always have to go to the well right. versus staying with yourself of like ooh the comparison point like oh last year i did it in two hours and 18 minutes or two years ago whatever it was yeah. and this year two hours and four minutes it's the comparison point that's within your own self to say oh that feels better i did better because of me not because i'm putting someone else down to feel better that's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago you're looking for your self-image externally right and you need to generate your self-image internally mm -hmm. that's the peaceful way to do it right yeah. Which rounds all the way back to the beginning of the race is, you know, how do you prep for that and how do you get the anticipation um, going and meet the challenges because you prep in your head for, I want it, I want it, I don't need anyone else to do it for me, I want, I want and I need it, right? Yeah. So speaking of that, shifting gears just slightly because we will run out of time, um, the Olympics, I was going to talk about the Olympics because it's such an odd anomaly on the board this year yeah and i'm hearing lots of things about people really not really that interested which is every time I'm, i hear about the olympics i think they're running right now <laughs> <laughs> they're coming nine days oh, they're coming. Okay. nine days yeah. from now see this so to the point yeah i you know i was gonna I'll, i will talk about this next week because it will be then only seven uh two days left before yeah. it starts but um I find it interesting as as a sports psych person as an athlete as a clinical psychologist all that um, the excitement and the mm, stars and stripes and all the stuff that goes with it and the you know the fireworks for this year doesn't seem to be there as much as it used to in years gone by and I'm wondering if and this is kind of an yes. audience question I'm wondering if yes we're really I know you know <laughs> if we're really just kind of like eh, 
the Olympics, what, you know, like, what is that anymore? And, it, and it's sad and unfortunate, I think, for athletes because they're so excited because, you know, obviously I'm invested in the gymnastics team and, and so on. And the amount of work that goes into these six gymnasts, for instance, or these swimmers who have literally less than, you know, well, gymnasts yeah. all in all have less than five minutes to make a gold. They have a minute, a minute yep. and a half, a 20-second run down a vault, like a fluorotine that's like it's quick, quick, quick. So all together, five to six minutes all together to make their history. Years and years of training, hundreds of hours just alone in the gym, 50, 60 hours a week just in the gym alone, stress on families, all this stuff. Yep. And then here it is, and I'm thinking the Olympics is so lackluster this year that I'm seeing. And also, you know, Japan saying that there's a state yep. of emergency, now no spectator, like all this stuff. I'm thinking, oh, my God all this work and then people aren't really like excited about it that's that's what i'm seeing yeah well it's true are you seeing that too absolutely okay and the reason is clear because what what makes the olympics the olympics why do we are why are we interested in the olympics we enter the olympics and we find the athlete stories and we Mm -hmm. see the personality of the athletes and we attach to them as the olympics go on but the reason we're interested in the olympics in the first place is because it's the united states right against its nationalism right. that's what makes the olympics the olympics right. and nationalism is a bad word now it's just politically you can't be a nationalist you can't root for the united states at this point so even the athletes aren't rooting for the united states so you know so, why so am i attached I, I, so i think that is i think that's one piece of it but i also i also think that there's been a i think social maybe social media i think People just aren't as invested in the competition of that level across the board, even globally. I mean, I've just been reading yeah. all these different articles and things that are being put out and like, you know, and the BBC put out some stuff. And then I'm even Al Jazeera's put out some stuff on the Olympics. It feels like everything's just dampened down that nobody really cares. You know, well, usually part of the be problem. all this uproar of this and that and yeah. people getting shortchanged and not getting the Olympics. It's like, eh. Part of that is diffusion, too, because, I mean, look at soccer in the yes. Olympics. We just finished the Euro yeah. last week. We, we have a, a ton of international competitions yes. now that people have access to right. all the time. So it's the, the Olympics used to be a once-every-four-year event. And right. We'd get stoked for it. Right. But, you know, now there's a ton of international competition. Right. We see these athletes competing against all each other on a weekly basis. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so it will be interesting. So, so I was going to talk about that. I will talk about that a little bit more next week and also i was going to make a point that a few shows back um when we were talking about naomi osaka mm-hmm. the tennis player you know she was um she got award this weekend um and she was on tv which was you could tell she was very nervous and she was all dressed up and she was getting her awards for um tennis um but i thought award the espies yeah oh, okay and she um but i thought it was an interesting piece that here I was bringing up that she should not be ridiculed for her mental health and then a week later everyone rallied around her around oh it's okay to have this issue and not be you know shamed and and fined money and so an interesting point last night I saw that Mattel made a Barbie doll of her and it's the role model Naomi Osaka Barbie doll and it's her in her little outfit that she was wearing on the, you know, and yeah. And so it's it's called the the Naomi Osaka role model Barbie doll. And I was like, 
that's really great. But, you know, six weeks ago, everyone was up her butt being like, poor girl, mental health issues, shame, shame, shame. And now they're going to sell a doll of her. That's a role model doll. Oh, and by so the, I, and well, which I think on some level is really great, but I just I just felt like wow, what a turn of ridiculing her as a female for one thing, for speaking up, for having a mental health issue, shaming her, and now role model, which she should be. I mean, I think she is a role model for all people. Um, but it was just like, you know, you know, the shift. Yeah. It's an interesting I psychological phenomenon. It was all lumped in into my <laughs> yeah. like Olympic phenomenon with like here we have this person, you know, that Michael Phelps had the same thing. There's no Barbie doll. And then it's like, so I just thought it would be an interesting well, she thing. She just to wanted to play tennis. She didn't want to be in the public eye. And she signs off on a Barbie doll. I don't know if she signed off. Oh, That's, she, I have to, I have to, to go. Yeah. I, I imagine she's, she, I imagine she did, but I wonder yeah. what the the contract of that is or how it was negotiated because it's an interesting thing yeah. to the point. That's why I was bringing it up is like, she doesn't necessarily want to be in front, but you know, well maybe that will help her make up for the fine that they gave her for being, you know, a normal, <laughs> yeah, per- a, a, a there normal you go. person. She's paying for a fine, you yeah. know, for her 15,000, but seriously, like, and then some probably. Yeah. <laughs> her 15, yeah. 15,000. Yeah. But anyway, it was a cute doll. I just found it an interesting. And they actually call it a role model. Huh? Yep. Interesting. Yep. I don't know if that was on the box, but that's what they kept referring to as it was. That was her quote-unquote title. Yeah. Not tennis player, role model. Yeah. Interesting. So, it's a cute doll. Yeah. It's very cute. I saw it. It's very cute. But I was like, I had all these, I have cognitive dissonance in my head. Is it, uh, I've lost track of the whole Barbie doll controversy. Is it a more realistically proportioned Barbie doll? Because I know Barbie took a lot of heat. Um, it is, well, yes, because the Barbie dolls of late have been much more realistically designed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know because I didn't see it in person, so I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, <laughs> there's so many things <laughs> I could say here. Buy one and bring it in next week. I would week. write into, like, in my head of, like, the Ken doll and all the other, <laughs> like, are they all proportionally designed? So, I don't know. I'll have to go get one to see. I'm sure somebody looks like that, but... <laughs> in their in their mind yeah um anyway so this was a fabulous conversation thank you all for indulging me on my race weekend and (laughs) mindset of and you know everyone should go out and try to find your own way of feeling internally satisfied because it's great to have that kind of mindset because it gets you inspired and then you can inspire others hopefully um and lou yes you have a great week i will Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> All right, you guys, have a great week. And, and, and uh, if you haven't caught some of my latest podcasts, please go to all of your favorite podcast channels and catch up on some of the old things because we've talked about some really cool things lately. And I will see you next week.